Hello and welcome to season two of the Energy Detox, a petroleum-based blend of leadership conversations guaranteed to boost your professional and personal output by flushing away the hidden and often toxic barriers to peak performance. I'm your host, Joe Sinnott, a chemical engineer, executive coach, and 15-year energy industry veteran, helping you tap into the same resources fueling today's most successful and sustainable leaders. And today, we're going to take several lessons from driving, from drilling, and from leading, and weave them all together to help prevent you from making some of the common mistakes that could lead to catastrophe, whether you're driving a vehicle, whether you're drilling a well, or whether you're leading a company. And we're kicking off season two today live for several reasons, one of which is when you're driving, when you're drilling, and again, when you're leading teams, it is very much a live operation. You don't have the luxury of going and flipping through a manual most of the time. You have to make real-time decisions. You are live and on camera, if you will. And so today, that's what we're doing, live and on camera to represent what you have to do on a daily basis as a leader. Another reason we're going live today is because the mission of the Energy Detox has been and will continue to be to give you a glimpse into what it's like when you're engaged with an executive coach. And obviously, when you're actually engaged with an executive coach, you're dealing with one-on-one -on -one conversations, and you're not going to quite get there through a medium like this. But the hope is by giving you an opportunity to engage a little bit more deeply and to ask questions and add comments and enjoy the uh, conversation, if you will, at the end of this, then maybe we can get a little bit closer to giving you a sense of the value that coaching can bring to you, whether it's formal executive coaching or the informal coaching that you can execute upon as a leader each day. So with all that being said, I welcome your comments. I welcome your questions. I'd be happy to try to weave them, if not force them, into the themes today of drilling, driving, and leading teams. But before we get to that, I already have five themes that I want to step through. The first of which is keeping your hands on the wheel. Are you in control? Do you have your hands on the wheel? The second one we'll step through is what kind of fuel do you have? How do you choose the right fuel? Are you making a false choice between types of fuel when a hybrid option might actually make more sense? The third theme that we'll weave our way through today is about mirrors. With all of the new technology, using your mirrors might seem somewhat antiquated when you have backup cameras and self-driving vehicles. But at the end of the day, are you using the right technology, antiquated as it might be, to make sure you're aware of what's going on behind you? The next topic, the fourth one that we'll get to today is about tire pressure and pressure in general and whether or not you're paying attention to all of those gauges and lights that are coming on and telling you that your pressure might be a little bit off or if you're just plowing through with whatever approach you've been taking as a leader. And finally, the fifth theme that we'll go through, of course, is speed. We all know how important speed is in business and driving and drilling. And we want to make sure that you are slowing down at the appropriate time? Are you slowing down before you get into a curve? Or are you going too fast, too quick, and at the wrong times and not leaving yourself any options to, to peel back a little bit and make clear, better, more confident decisions? So with all that being said, and looping back to that first question, which is, do you have your hands firmly on the wheel? Are you in control of your situation? And when you're driving, of course, this question is becoming more interesting with the advent of self-driving vehicles. Every so often, including a couple weeks ago, I think down in Texas, where a Tesla presumably lost control, got into a bad accident. And of course, the first question is, 
Was the driver even paying attention? Was the driver watching YouTube videos while the vehicle was on autopilot? This is a question that is going to come up more and more. And it's also a question of liability. Who's responsible? Certainly for now, I think the the operator of the vehicle, even if he's not physically operating it, is, is responsible. But there's going to be a time when algorithms that drive all this and the technology might bear some responsibility. And again, that's not going to be a question we're going to answer today, but it is an important topic to be aware of as a leader. And so too, in drilling a well, again, when you're, you're drilling a well, you have issues on occasion. You know, tools might get stuck down hole and maybe you have insurance to pay for them. Maybe you don't, but you as the operator have to pay for them. Or if you have some sort of leak or you know uncontrolled uh, issue that causes an environmental problem, again, you as an operator are likely responsible, or maybe it's the service company or somebody's going to have responsibility, but you have your hands on the wheel. And so too as a leader. But the problem is with leadership, just with all of these new tools and tricks and everything, it might be tempting to take your hands off the wheel and to point to new technology that are almost self-driving companies these days with analytics and with advisors and all of these other tools out there. And you could certainly very easily drop your guard and forget that you are in control. But when I'm working with individuals, the first thing we go through is this whole idea of a GPS framework to grow, protect, and sustain at all times requires that you recognize that as a leader, you have to have your hands firmly on the wheel. You're not going to blame anybody else. Nobody else is driving the car for you, if you will. It's you and you're in charge. And I've seen time and time again, unfortunately, where leaders default to pointing the finger, not taking blame. And obviously, many coaches, many speakers have addressed this. You can go and read Jocko Willink's book, Extreme Ownership, that, again, takes this to an extreme and says, you will have your hands on the wheel. You will take ownership. But the question for you right now is, are you taking ownership? Is your default to look for blame somewhere else? Again, whether it's outside services that you're bringing in that you've you've uh, outsourced things to, whether it's a team that you have as trusted and as talented as they might be, are you quick to put them on the spot when things go wrong or are you taking ownership? And so what I ask you today to do is, again, ask yourself, in what ways are you maybe taking your hands off the wheel? Are you aware when you're taking your hands off the wheel? And if you are, ask yourself, you know, how can you maintain focus? What tools can you have to help you drive to your destination but not do it for you? And the second theme to talk through today is fuel. Obviously, when you're driving a vehicle, you're not going to get very far unless you have fuel. But of course, again, just going back to the first point I made about Teslas and the advent and, and the uh, proliferation, if you will, of electric vehicles, there is a question of gasoline and internal combustion vehicles or battery powered vehicles. And it's a question that is, again, going to continue because there's obviously hidden costs. There's hidden problems with vehicles. One of the most important of which is how frequently can you fuel up your vehicle? Essentially, if you have an electric vehicle and you're going on a cross-country trip, you know, or do you have the option to, to plug in and quickly charge or charge in a reasonable amount of time? And again, batteries will get better. That question will be answered. But it's a very important question that flows into your role as a leader. Are you leaning too heavily on one fuel type or another? Or is there a way to bring the two together and make sure that you have the right tool or the right car for the job? Because again, a long distance journey is not quite uh, ideal for a Tesla right now. But certainly for short trips you know, to and from work, if you're back in the office or to and from the store, Tesla or any electric vehicle can, can do wonders. And of course, this reminds me actually 10 years ago this week where a uh, former CEO of EQT, which has since become the largest producer of natural gas in the country. In fact, 
today announced that it's going to be even larger than it is with a $2.9 billion acquisition. But at any rate, 10 years ago, Mary Gerber, the former CEO, uh, after he uh, stepped down as CEO, began a cross-country trip in a natural gas-powered Hummer. And part of the takeaway from that trip, other than pointing out how natural gas could be a better fuel than the uh, nascent uh, battery vehicle industry and even the traditional uh, gasoline-powered vehicles, he was proving that, you know what, at, its, at, at the moment, at that point 10 years ago, it was difficult to drive across the country on just natural gas. It was difficult to find enough fueling stations along the way. He had to be very strategic as he and his wife drove across the country. And so too now, as we look at what many would say is, again, an ideal fuel, for lack of a better term, in battery-powered vehicles, but the infrastructure isn't there yet. Now, again, with trillions of dollars going towards infrastructure, that might change, but it's something to keep in mind. So too, in drilling and, and completion operations, where many of the equipment that used to run on diesel, of course, can now be powered by cleaner burning natural gas or even electricity. But again, even in those situations, people run into a false choice where, yes, electricity is great, it's quieter, but again, it comes with limitations. Do you have access to electricity? Do you have access to a grid? Or do you need to have a, a, a diesel or a natural gas burning uh, uh, skid out there to, to go ahead and produce the electricity so that you then you can use it, which again, all just speaks to it being a giant facade. And from a leadership standpoint, you don't want a facade. You don't want somebody to look behind the hood and realize that you're just have a one track mind and you're going to go down one path with one fuel, even if it's not optimal. And that's the real takeaway for you today is, are you leaning on fuels that are oversimplified? Or are you taking an approach that allows you to pick and choose the right fuel or perhaps a hybrid approach? If you happen to follow David Ramsden Wood recently in, uh, on the heels of his his Uber escapades and, and his investigation as an Uber driver, one of his takeaways that he posted the other day was that hybrid vehicles may very well be the best option. Instead of all of our bickering about internal combustion or electric vehicles, maybe a hybrid Prius is in fact the, the, the answer to all of our problems. I don't know if it will be or not, but again, from a leadership standpoint, are you leaning on one fuel to get you by? And again, I've seen this throughout my career. I've seen this in my coaching now where some leaders, they dive into all of this leadership stuff. I'm going to say crap because sometimes it can be crap, but there's a lot of good stuff out there on leadership. You can scroll through your LinkedIn feed. You can get all kinds of mantras and tips and tricks. And obviously there's no shortage of books and seminars that you can go to. And you can go away to offsite meetings with all of your uh, comrades there for a week or two. And, and you can have all these takeaways. But at the end of the day, in many cases, all of those things are not sustainable. Those are not sustainable ways to lead your company. And I've had instances, I've had somebody reach out to me that had a leader of a company, a private equity firm. They have several different companies. And one of the leaders is all into all of this leadership stuff, if you will. But he was completely unaware of how his actions were disconnected from these things because he was so blinded. He was checking the box. He thought he was doing all these things. But of course, that comes across as one, inauthentic, two, ineffective. Because again, when you're driving, you need access to the right fuel at all times. You can't afford to be stranded in between you know, two major cities because there isn't access. And again, in many ways, that's what coaching is. Coaching is an opportunity to make sure that at each step along the way, you have the right fuel, the right amount of fuel, and you have access to it. So again, ask yourself as you're leading your company, as you're leading your family, as you're doing whatever you are in your business, do you have access to the right fuel or are you uh, locking yourself in, if you will, to something that might not even be around in five or 10 years or that isn't effective in every situation? So moving on to the fourth forced 
parallel, if you will, or actually the third forced parallel, I think I skipped over one here, it is mirrors. And nowadays, again, with cars, if you have a backup camera, which there's a good chance you do, or again, if you had a self-driving vehicle where it's essentially one big camera, you might not be using your mirrors quite as much. But it's important to remember what mirrors can tell you. Mirrors tell you what's going on generally off to the sides or even behind you. And if you're not aware of what's going on behind you and you're just too focused on what's in front of head of you, ahead of you, and you're going to run into issues. And that makes sense, again, from a leadership standpoint. It's very easy to say, I'm in the moment, I'm, I'm focused on my objective, but are you completely ignoring what's behind you because you have all of these other fancy tricks and tools and you're so focused on your ultimate objective? It's an important question. And so too with drilling. When you're drilling a well, you don't drill a mile or two away from surface and then just take a snapshot in time and take out your GPS and find out where you are. No, you know where you are in a well because of all the points going backwards. You have to use your mirror. You have to look backwards and take all of those points to figure out where you are. You don't have the luxury in, in most cases of just saying, all right, I'm just going to drill blindly and here I am. No, you need to know what's going on behind you. So again, as a leader, are you too focused on the here and now? And are you losing sight of what went on behind you? And this comes into play in several different areas. One area in particular that I've seen, again, in my own career, and I've seen since now as a coach, where employees who might be having some issues are very quickly cast aside because of something that they just did. And for whatever reason, whether it's fear or liability or this cancel culture, companies, unfortunately, are more quick than ever to cast them aside, let them go, move them to a new position. And fortunately, I've seen plenty of instances in, in my own life, my own career, where you know, people were given a second chance, or more importantly, and, and this, I think at this point is probably more uh, more cliche of a story than anything, but where somebody makes a multi-million dollar error and the, you know, the president of the company pulls them in and says, hey, you know what? We're not going to fire you because we just spent, you know, pick a number, one or $2 million to train you. You know, and, and again, there's there's plenty of apocryphal stories like that. I've seen one in my own experience where, again, somebody made a mistake that cost a couple million dollars and they weren't let go. But again, it's because the leaders were willing to look backwards and say, this person has tremendous value. Why would we cast them aside? If we were just in the here and now, then yeah, we might just, you know, say they're expendable and and pull one of the thousands of other people that are on the sidelines looking for work. But Again, that's not a very intelligent and that's not a very sustainable approach. And again, I've seen it even on my own particular teams where I had a team and I had an opportunity to bring somebody on board, but that person had several strikes against him. He was, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, at his last strike, if you will. But I had known from his internship experience before he became a full-time employee that he was probably the best intern that we'd ever had. And long story short, he came onto my team. He was phenomenal. And uh, he since unfortunately moved on to other teams and and became one of the most sought after employees at the company. But naturally, if we had just taken the approach of saying, "Well, buddy, you've you've struck out and you know you've been you've been demoted and you're down to the major or down to the minors and and you're not coming back," that would not have been a very smart move. So those are two uh, employee related things. But how are you doing that in your own life? How are you so focused on the here and now that you forget once in a while to look in your mirror? Even better, actually turn your head and, and see what's going on behind you. And now getting to the fourth item, and that is pressure, in particular, tire pressure when you're driving. And what's the whole uh, reason for having optimum tire pressure? Well, one of them we're told, of course, is energy efficiency. Optimal tire pressure might get you better gas mileage or, again, I guess, battery mileage, if, if you will. And the other thing is, of course, it could help you handle better. And, and I, I suppose it could help 
uh, minimize wear and tear on your tires. So plenty of reasons when you're driving a vehicle to not ignore those you know, check tire pressure light and, and make sure that you have the optimal pressure. Same thing with drilling again. You want balanced pressure. If the pressure is too high when you're drilling a well, well, you can fracture the formation and that can lead to problems. If your mud weight and your pressure, therefore, are not high enough, then, of course, your wellbore can collapse and you can find yourself stuck. Well, similarly, again, when you're leading teams, do you get into a zone where you've just identified yourself as a high-pressure, high-intensity individual, and that's just the way you are? You run at high pressure no matter what. Or maybe you you see yourself as more laid back, you know, low pressure. And, you know, you have this vision because you've taken four different, you know, behavioral tests or personality tests, and you know you've either got that, you know, red sticker on your hard hat, or maybe you're more passive and you, you've got the yellow or the green and you've identified yourself as this. And you're afraid to maybe step out of that zone and sometimes apply a little bit more pressure to your teams and sometimes pair back. But the reality is if you don't have the optimal pressure for the situation, you will not be efficient. Again, similar to the tires. You're not going to have uh, energy efficiency in your leadership, just as you wouldn't have energy efficiency while driving and you're leaving, you're leaving money on the table. And again, I've, you know, I've seen this when issues come up with a, with a project or in, in one case, a report where there's this report that came out every day and, you know, it was a semi-valuable report and behind the scenes, there was a lot of angst and anxiety and gyrations to get this out the door and then to reconcile it. And these, you know, this angst and the anxiety continued and continued and continued until finally leadership recognized that there was a lot of angst and anxiety and finally asked the question, you know, does this, this report, does this project need to be revisited? And everybody said, Yes. And there was great relief. The pressure was relieved. And why? Because that leader finally asked a question that could have been asked months prior, but wasn't. And so too, again, when you're leading yourself, your team, your company, are you asking questions that can relieve pressure? Because that doesn't mean that people are going to rest on their laurels and you know, uh, you know, let their guard down and have inferior results. You know, Quite the opposite. Relieve pressure that's not doing you any good so that you don't fracture the formation, if you will and increase pressure when you need to. And if people recognize that you can go up and down, not in any sort of uh, drastic way where, where somebody, people, you know, people think you have a disorder of some sort, but recognize the situation, ask the right questions as a leader, and make sure that, again, you're not adhering to some uh, caricature of yourself as either this, again, this laid back, low pressure, even keel individual, or this high pressure, high intensity person that's going to get things done and, and expects their people to work 24-7. So look for your indicators, look for that check pressure light, listen to your people and ask the right questions. And occasionally just do a walk around your vehicle. Uh, look and see if there, there might be a leak. See if you see a nail, you know, gleaming in the, uh, in the sunlight there, or you hear the slight hiss. Because if you're not doing that, again, you're asking for trouble and you're, you're probably going to be leaving some, some money on the table. And finally, speed. Can't talk about driving, of course, and not talk about speed. And one of the most important things that I learned years before I drove was my father constantly telling me that you want to slow down before you get into a curve, before you make a turn. That's the time to slow down. Not when you're in the turn. When you get into the turn, it might be too late. So with that in mind, it's the same thing while you're drilling. There's a time and a place to go as fast as possible. If you want to join the, what is it, the mile a day club now or the two mile a day club and yeah. When you're hit that sweet spot and you're at the right point in the formation and you know the dog legs are suitable for everything you need, everything lines up perfectly, go ahead and go as fast as possible. If you're on that nice straightaway on the road, similarly, yeah, go, go fast. You, you can use your judgment. But when you get into a turn, it's a whole different story. But many leaders who are go, go, go and go super fast, 
they slow down too late or they don't slow down at all. And again, slowing down can be a dirty word in industry that is as fast paced as the oil and gas industry. But it's important for you to, as, as a leader, to recognize when it's appropriate to slow down and to make sure that you're doing it before you get into the curve. Because the reality is, again, that you as a leader, in many cases, might be going fast for no reason. And you might be putting pressure on your people to go fast for no reason. And perhaps the best example of this doesn't necessarily come from a, from a leadership standpoint, but it's one of the best stories that, that I recall from, from being offshore. And it was a roughneck. And he perfectly captured the idea of going fast for no reason. And fortunately, it wasn't related to anything that was going on on the rig. It was in his personal life. Because he shared with me one casual conversation that his wife was due with their second baby. And he was very excited. He, you know, clearly a proud father of his first child and very excited about the second one that was coming up. And he shared that he had a scheduled C-section, of course, or his wife had a scheduled C-section, I should say. And obviously that makes sense because, you know, his, his schedule working two on, two off, it makes sense to schedule it so that he could be home most likely for the birth of his child. And he shared that you know, it's such a wonderful experience when you're going to be having a child because you can drive as fast to the hospital as possible. And if an officer pulls you over, he's not going to do anything because you're going to the hospital to have a baby. And of course, you know, putting two and two together, I asked, well, okay, but in your case, I mean, you have an appointment, you're, you're going for a scheduled C-section. So there's no reason to go as fast as possible, right? No, he said, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter. As long as you're going to the hospital, you can go as fast as you want. You can drive as, as crazy as you want. And if an officer pulls you over, he's not going to do anything because you're going to have a baby. And I think I tried one more time to say, well, yeah, but but you have an appointment. Like you leave whenever you want. Like this is, you know, you, you know this now. You're three weeks out. And and again, it never quite clicked for him. But um, this does have parallels, of course, to you in your life where there may be times where you're go, 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 and you're going fast and it really doesn't serve any purpose. In fact, it could be detrimental to the health and well-being of, of you, your family, your team, your company. So all that being said, again, ask yourself when you're going fast, if it makes sense, and ask yourself if you need to take a pause before you get into a turn, before you go into a transition. You might be looking at some sort of deal or some new project, and it makes sense to go through the motions very fast. But just before you're ready to wrap things up, take that time to take your foot off the gas, maybe tap the brakes and then proceed. Because once you're in the turn, that's when you can lose control, of course. And with all of these themes, with all of these leadership themes that we've talked about today, ask yourself, in what ways am I ignoring the rules of the road as I help my team my organization and my family navigate the constant hazards standing in the way of my ultimate destination. And as you ponder that, please allow me, your host, Joe Sinnott, to thank you for being a part of this live kickoff to season two of the Energy Detox and to learn more about how I help leaders like you navigate the demands of the oil and gas industry. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or head on over to the Energy Detox. Com. And until next time, remember to keep your hands on the wheel, choose the right fuel, check your mirrors, monitor your tire pressure, and watch your speed. Thanks again. <laughs>